This is the Rhythm of Faith with Eddie Paul. Each year at Cardinal Ritter High School, the senior class would get together at the end of the school year and go on what's called Senior Retreat. It was an amazing opportunity to connect one last time with some schoolmates, just reminiscing about where we've been and looking at where we are and really dreaming about where we want to be. Of course, everyone would talk about, you know, where they go to college and you know, what kind of things they want to do with the rest of their lives and just really dream. On the last day of senior retreat, facilitators would step aside and really give us the opportunity to, to have our last say with the priest. It was called reconciliation. You go in, you confess your sins to a priest. They give you a couple of Hail Marys and, you know, you get out of there. Well, for me, with this being the last go-round, I needed to do something different. So I went in, I saw Father Clem, sat face to face with him, and honestly just began a discussion. I told him I didn't have any sins to confess today, although I know I'm a sinner. I just have some questions for you as a senior guys I laid it on them thick every possible question that you could think of you know babies who are boarded do they go to hell because they never met Christ what about unreached people people who've never heard of Jesus do they go to hell and for what felt like an eternity father Clem sat there and answered every single question I asked he finally said to me Eddie I know your family and I know your heart. I believe you're going to be okay. You don't have to know everything. And to be honest with you, child, I don't know all the answers. I just put my faith and trust in Jesus. And my faith and trust in you tells me, Eddie, that you're going to be okay. I can't tell you how much of a relief it was to know that the man I had trusted with my faith up to that point didn't have all the answers. He didn't pretend. He simply said, faith is the key. I left that meeting, walked down the stairs in the tabernacle and came back into the main room where everybody was sitting and waiting and the stairs, oh my God, the stairs. You, you had to see it. Just about every senior in that room was staring at me, and I, I couldn't understand it. I looked around and saw the clock. I had been up there for 45 minutes when the average person was there two to three minutes confessing their sins. They must have thought I had killed somebody or something. But I look back and I think, hmm, it wasn't just Father Clem. It wasn't just my mother, my father, 
It wasn't just my friends or, or people that I met at church. I had an entire community there to support me, to lift me up when I had fallen, to ground me in my faith, to keep me straight. I could never imagine what it's like to not have that kind of support, to not have a Father Clem to let you know everything is going to be okay. On this edition of The Rhythm of Faith, we bring you the story of a man who did not have that kind of support. What if you knew of Jesus, but no one was there to foster the growth of that relationship? How would it survive? I invite you to listen in to his story on this windy day. Listeners, please be advised, some of today's content is not suitable for young ears. This is the story of Caesar, a self-titled military brat who's lived all over the world. You move around a lot. You are, in most cases, you're thrust into a multicultural environment. Um, so you do, you're not really with one group or another. You kind of develop an identity around that. Um, but at the same time, you have a real difficult uh, time just making long-lasting bonds. Now, I remember when I came back to the States, I went to high school here. And a lot of my peers, you know, they had known each other since elementary school, middle school. You know, they were longtime friends. And I didn't have any of that. I didn't know anybody. I just moved back from Germany. Um, so it made things challenging. Um, my father was an officer, so that made it a little bit more challenging, especially because he's black. And being an officer, son of an officer, you have to be on your P's and Q's all the time. Uh, people are always looking at you to see what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, etc. And as my father was concerned, being a black officer in the military, especially his rank, you had a lot of people who didn't necessarily like that. So they would look for things, either with your family or with him. Um, just to kind of throw shade at them, cause problems, rock the boat. Um, world's a different place today than it was then. But um, some things, you know, more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, so for me, being a military brat was, was kind of hard. My mother was a military brat. Um, my grandfather served three tours over and on. And uh, so she understood, was like, but she was fortunate that they were, for the most part, stationed in California, so they didn't have to move around. Caesar's father was from Louisiana and grew up without a father figure in his life. This made things difficult for him to navigate as a father for Caesar. He was very hard on me. Uh, he kind of had this view that everything was given to me, even if it wasn't. <laughs> and um, that he had to work for everything he had. So I constantly heard, you got to do it three times harder. You got to do better. You got to be smarter. Um, and a lot of times it was, you know, kind of felt like enough was never enough. You do a good job, but it wasn't a great job. So being a military brat was, it was hard. It's not something I'd ever want for my children. I would rather them be able to be in one location, have cousins, family, friends. I think these things are important. 
but I got to see the world. I got to go to Germany, um, Spain, France, got to travel. So I've, I've seen things other people might never see in their entire life. So that's a benefit. I have a better appreciation for other cultures because of that. But that's the trade-off. You know, you get to travel, but at the same time, you don't build those lifelong bonds. Caesar really had a hard time with deep relationships because he traveled so often. But something that he noticed wherever he went as a child was that no matter what country or language he encountered, he would hear about this guy named Jesus but he could never get much information about him from his dad. I never ever in my life saw my father pray. Okay. I never ever saw my father pray with the exception of like Thanksgiving, giving a, um, a blessing, um, or when we went to go see family Louisiana, maybe giving a blessing. Uh, and I always thought it was very hypocritical because he didn't go to church. My mom was the one who took me to church. And then she stopped going to church because of pressure from my dad. Um, didn't talk about God, didn't talk about the importance of faith. Um, he talked about everything that you can control by your own hand. Um, he was very much facts and figures, hard science. And it just never came up. Like, I never thought to ask him, hey, how do, you, how do you feel about this or the other? What further complicated Caesar's understanding of God was that his relationship with his father was an abusive one. An abusive relationship which impacted both he and his mother. I understood evil. I understood what was absolutely wrong. I understood fear. Um, because of that situation, I prayed to God. And I couldn't understand as a kid why God wouldn't help me, why Jesus wouldn't help me, why wouldn't he lift me up out of my situation. You know, I would wake up days absolutely terrified. I would go through like I, I was. I would be scared if my dad looked at me the wrong way. You know, for a while, to give you an idea, I mean, you weren't even supposed to sit on the furniture. You had to sit on the floor. My mom and him sat on the furniture. Um, that you, you never knew what was going to set him off. Uh, and it's uh, you go to sleep scared. You wake up scared. At the same time, he's my father, so I was you know, trying to impress him, trying to get his recognition, um, trying to make him proud, and I never got it. I never got that affirmation. What I got was being told, you're not doing it good enough, you're not doing it hard enough. I got slapped around. Um, and you know, I remember talking to, to um, it was Morrison at one point, when I was in fifth grade, I used to walk his dog. Chapter Morrison, and uh, I remember having a conversation with him, and I said he knew about some of the stuff that was going on, the abuses in the house with my mom, and I, I remember telling him about some of it. Him and his wife Gloria were very, very good people, very kind to me, and he said, "Well, you just God has a plan." That's what he told me. God has a plan, 
since it's not always clear, but God has a plan. And I remember telling him, I said, I don't think God cares about me. And he asked me why I said that, and I said, yeah, I prayed, and nothing happens. Every day I'm in the same situation. And, you know, he, uh, he gave me a hug, and he told me, you know, things would get better. And I wanted to believe him. But I remember walking home, and I was like, it's not going to get better. I remember walking home thinking to myself, if I don't lift myself out of the situation, if I don't steal myself, I'm not going to survive. So I had to, like, mentally set up uh, these barricades. I had to mentally wall off certain things. Um, I mean, I got PTSD now. And I, I can remember horrible things. I don't, I don't want to remember it. I don't want to relive it. If there was a magic pill someone could give me, that I could just erase it, you know? Something short of a lobotomy, I would take it. But um, I can't. And there was no one there to lift me up out of that. There was no one there to shelter me as a child. Now that I'm a father, I got three children, I absolutely understand the importance of having somebody there to shelter a child. I understand children need discipline, but at the same time, there also needs to be somebody who's going to shelter them from wickedness, shelter them from evil, um, allow them to be innocent, allow them to grow. And I understand as a man now that in the absence of that, individuals become twisted. You know, they don't grow the way they should grow. They don't reach the potential necessarily that they should reach. Um, and they adapt to survive, but that adaptation sets them apart from the norm. As a kid, I started, to, I, initially I believed that I did something wrong. That it was my fault. That I had done something wrong. I wasn't praying hard enough. I wasn't being a good enough son that I had absolutely deserved what I was getting for some reason. And then as I got older, my teen years, that twisted. Because I mean, when I was, my mom used to take me to church. That was the one time I was like, you know, I could run around and stuff. We used to sneak the little wafers, <laughs> you know, drink the grape juice. <laughs> but, um, you know, after church was fun. I mean, we could run around the church and just other kids have fun you know there would be food and it was a very welcoming loving environment where I felt I belonged you know people wanted me there people cared about me I think my mom got bullied out of it in some respects because my dad was afraid of anybody stepping in and interfering with how he was running his household uh, at the same time for some of the abuses he was committing upon us I don't think he wanted people to know Okay, I, I, I can't tell me times I had to wear long sleeve shirts and turtlenecks. Without direction, without his mother's spiritual care to guide him through some of the toughest times in his life, without friends to confide in. Caesar was left on an island. 
and with a number of family members who knew of the abuse, Caesar struggled with the question, why God would allow this. Somehow in my, tw my teen years, it, it, uh, it twisted. And I stopped praying, and I stopped asking for God's help. And I started getting very, very angry at God. Because by the time I was my teen years, I was socially awkward. Because, I, you know, I, 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 to this day, it's probably not accurate, but I feel like I'm damaged goods. Um, you know, it's like, a, it's like a dozen eggs you open up, two are cracked. Nobody wants to crack. You know, nobody wants to take those eggs. Who takes that home? Who takes home the egg carton off the shelf with the two cracked eggs? Nobody. They put it back. You know, and that's me. I'm the egg carton with the two cracked eggs. Um, I started realizing this, and I became angry. You know, I just, I just became angry because I kind of felt like it was a sham. I kind of felt like all these people who had told me this, all the prayer, all the time, everything I had endured. And was enduring. It was God wasn't gonna come help me. He wasn't gonna save me. It wasn't gonna be a miracle for me. Nothing was gonna lift me up. Nothing was gonna erase my bruises. You know, nothing was gonna help me with my nightmares. Nothing was gonna do that. You know, all the hugs in the world, all the sermons in the world, and it, you know, stuff was still there. I became angry at anybody with really faith because it wasn't anger at them it was anger at God it was anger at for I was baptized Protestant it was anger at Jesus because if you exist if you're there where are you I mean I know people say you can look around you and see God in all things I can look at my the miracle of my children I can absolutely see God in my children um, and I think every parent's experienced the whole brush with death situation where your kid runs and they miss it by millimeters, okay? Um, or something holds you up, you, you don't get in your car, and you find out that had you been in your car three minutes earlier, you know, you could have been tied up in like a, a wreck that would have taken your life. You know, I think there's miracles all around you if you look for them. And I've learned getting older that, you know, that God sends you help. He just doesn't send you the help that you necessarily expect. Um, that Jesus will help you, but he doesn't help you how you think. So like, best way to explain is this. If you're looking for a miracle, you know, like you might have to pray. You might say, I need to hit the lottery. I got bills to pay. My stuff's overdue. I bought this lottery ticket. I really, really, really need to hit the lottery. Okay? And you pray for it. It doesn't happen. And you're like, oh man, what am I going to do? Well, if your eyes were open, you might have missed the fact that your boss might have gave you an opportunity for more shifts. Maybe in your mind, you're like, oh, well, that guy's just trying to get more work out of me. But maybe that was God giving you an avenue towards more money. Maybe if you took those extra shifts, your boss would see that you might get a promotion. You know, they say God works in mysterious ways. I kind of understand that and I agree with it today, but it doesn't change my anger because as a child, I don't need, you know, a hidden 
means of protection. I don't I don't need a hidden avenue. What I needed is I needed to be safe. I couldn't go to counseling. My parents didn't my, my dad didn't believe in counseling. You know, couldn't go to church anymore. Dad didn't believe in that. I understood walking by faith and not by sight. I understand that now. But I look at who I am and I'm like, why? Why did you put me through all of this stuff? You know, I, I related the story once to, to Joe. For the most part, what right does a pot have to ask the potter why I was made this way? What, who are you to question me? He, didn't, he never gave him an explanation. He never justified it. He's like, I don't have to. That story stuck with me when I was younger. That really struck a chord with me during a sermon because I was just like, wow, I'm like Joe. You know? I can rail against God. I can yell. I can be angry. I can do all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, God's God. Jesus is Jesus. He doesn't owe me anything. According to Christian faith, from the Old Testament, God demands blood for sin. I've already been tried, tested, and just pretty much convicted. Okay? So the only savior for that would be in the Christian faith is through Jesus Christ. That's it. Otherwise, you're you're done. And if anybody thinks that like Christian is a light faith, I mean I challenge to go back and read the Old Testament because God was angry and he was jealous. And he said, maybe you went through all the stuff you went through so that you could tell your story to other people and help other people. Maybe that's why you had to go through everything you had to go through. Yes. Feel good part of me it's like yeah okay but then there's my cynical side the side that suffered through everything the side that helped me to survive okay the cold side that's what let me live that side sits there and says so essentially you went through all of this stuff as a child you were basically set up as a puppet for punishment so that you could become an inspiration to other people Really? I'm changed for the rest of my life. Sure, I might be able to say some words that will help somebody else to get through things or to identify with, but it doesn't change the hurt. And it's it's a very it's a soulful hurt that I had to endure that. It doesn't make you feel loved. tell me Jesus loves you and I look around and I say you know what I could absolutely look at my life today and say yeah Jesus loves me today but did Jesus love me when I was five did Jesus love me when I was being molested by my babysitter when I was even in preschool did Jesus loved me when I saw my mother get beaten countless times when I was beaten countless times when, when was he there for the verbal abuse was he there for the physical abuse where is he when I cried myself to sleep? You know? Where was he when I would get out of my own bed at night and go huddle on the floor? I used to keep in my closet sometimes. Okay? So reach the stories you told me, that struck a chord with me, you know? Um, where was it? I see too much, um, too many clicks. There's too much of them. It doesn't make the world a better place. It doesn't help individuals. It doesn't help people find faith. You know? 
I know we should walk by faith and not by sight, but sometimes it's seeing somebody else do something or go out of their way just because. Be as good as you can and be humble. I want to thank Caesar for his heart and courage in sharing his story on that windy spring day. It takes a lot to share something so deep with the world, and my hope is similar to Caesar's, that this story might help someone else or inspire others to take action when needed. Not everyone lives a privileged life, nor has that clear path to faith. So as people of faith, we have a responsibility to one another to help remove barriers to Christ, to step up and step in when we see those in need, those who are hurting, to speak up when others remain silent. We have opportunities to impact others around us every single day. We want to give special thanks to artists Mind's Eye, Kesta, Ryan Little, Blue Dot Sessions, Captive Portal, and Glassboy for today's tracks. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to share your story, connect with us at rhythmfaithlove at gmail.com. If you or someone you know is suffering at the hands of child abuse, please don't hesitate. Call the Child Help National Abuse Hotline at 1-800-4-A-CHILD or 1-800-422-4453. Call today. It could save a life. One love.